Hey, this is Pastor Rick. Glad you're with me today on demand. One of my favorite tools because you can get the word when you want to. So today we're going to talk about repositioning your life. Sometimes you need to reposition yourself because you're in the wrong place. You're in a place that's not good for you and you need to change it. So how do you do that? Well, you have to be licensed. You have to feel like I have the authority to have money, to have life, to smile, to not feel depressed. I can take charge of my life, do some things that can change everything in my life and all my options. So stay with me today. We're going to start in the book of Philippians. It's going to be just really good. So stay there. I'll come back and pray with you at the end. Enjoy. Hey, listen, I want to talk today about a word, the word reposition. And I want to share with you briefly just a few minutes about how important it is. I am in this season right now. I'm working on Ricky. That's what I call it, making a better Ricky. And I believe that the church right now is in the middle of a real change. I, I like this season. I like, I like Christmas. I like New Year's Eve. I like all of that a lot. And you'll hear me next week talk about that because I just love Christmas. But I, I want to share with you some of the things that I believe are fundamentally important if your life's ever going to go where you want it to go. And one of them is to reposition yourself. There's a book by T.D. Jakes that, that I hijacked the name. It's called Repositioning Yourself. I can get that out, Repositioning Yourself. And uh, this is a, a book that talks, about, it's a devotional. Um, you can read it on your own. It's a fun book. Um, but I'm not preaching the book. Uh, I did quote from it last week, but I'm not going to preach the book. No, that's not the goal. The goal is to simply talk about how a person gives themselves permission to change. And this, this, this series is all about change this month. So last week we talked about repositioning yourself to change, giving yourself permission to change, what we talked about last week. And how you have to say, I've decided I want to change. I've decided I want more for my life. This is my decision. And you, you reposition your life so that you can have the changes you want. Today, we're going to talk about something a little bit different. We're going to continue talking about repositioning yourself, but this is about repositioning yourself with a new license. This is you saying, I hereby license myself. And that's a big word. I give myself the authority. I give myself permission and the authority to change. So I'm not just going to say, you know, I'm changing. I'm going to make the changes today. I have the authority and, and the, the willpower and the determination with God on my side. I can make these changes. And for some of you, you you've been talking about stuff forever. You've been talking about, I'm, I'm going to change my, my, my smoking habits. I'm going to change my my living habits, I'm going to change my clothing, my my hair, whatever it is. You're going to, but you have not made those changes. And sometimes there are things that get in the way. And I want to show you how other people can stop you from making those changes. The, the people in your life can get in the way and take away your license. But I want to show you how it all starts. And this is really important. It all starts with the way you think. So here's a big question. You ready? Watch this. What have you been licensed to do? What have you been licensed or given the authority to do? Sometimes if you are honest, you say, you know, in the world I live in, nah, there's not much. They don't, I'm not licensed to have money because everybody borrows it. Everybody, if I try to, you know, go to church, people mock me or they block me. Or if I try to whatever, um, change careers, I'm always talked out of it. It's almost like you live in a world 
and you're surrounded by people and you're surrounded by friends who take away your license. So what are you not licensed to do? Now, here's what I believe is true. My religious culture, now you, you're going to find this interesting. My religious culture tends to do that if, if we're not careful. Here's what I want you to think. My religious culture did not license me to think beyond our tribe. So when I, I was unchurched for most of my life, up until about 16-ish, 15, 15-ish, thereabout, we didn't go to church much at all. When I started going to church, and I, and I, I went to uh, um, a little Baptist church for a while when I was a kid, right? Like I told you, like almost never we went, like but never went. So we really were unchurched. We went once, twice, three times a year, four times a year. Very, very seldom went to church. So I didn't, I didn't grow up in a church culture. So when I did come to church, I went to a Pentecostal kind of church. That's what I went to. As my cousin took me, I visited, and I started going to a Pentecostal church. So there I was in the Pentecostal church, and so that, and then it, it evolved and, and became pretty much the foundation of my, my faith. Well, there were certain rules and guidelines, and there were certain things you could not do. And I, I'll say this because I, I, they're wonderful people. We love each other. We're great. Gave me great love for God and all that good stuff. I'm, this is not a criticism necessarily, just an observation, that we had a way of thinking and you couldn't think outside of this box. If you thought outside this box, you were not in the spirit. Something was wrong. So my religious environment, my culture did not license me to think outside of it. And that's been true just throughout my whole Christian life. I've noticed it, that we box people in. So I was being led and could not recognize a lot of the immature elements of our Christian experience. So there were things that I couldn't think about. There are things that I was thinking that was wrong, wrong thoughts, wrong attitudes, wrong approach. I couldn't see. And sometimes I just couldn't recognize it because it was uh, it was considered uh, unbelief. I have this view that sometimes we take a Bible verse and a desire and we blend them together and we come away with wrong thinking, for example. I can do all things through Christ, right? That's what the Bible says. So I want to be a lawyer. So I'm going to be a lawyer because I can do all things through Christ. But I don't like to read and I don't like to study and I don't like school. So how's that going to work? How can God help me be a lawyer if I don't make, want to pay the price? You know, I want to be I want to be a millionaire, but I'm not willing to make the, the investments, the price, the study. I'm not willing. I'm, but I, I'm going to be because I, I can do all things through Christ. We take a Bible verse. And we we have ambition and we put them together and assume that the ambition is going to come to pass. I want a husband. I want I believe that the Bible says he who finds a mate finds a good thing or a wife finds a good thing. But then I'm mean and everybody I, I fall in love with, I beat up. I fight them. I physically attack them. So how can God give me what I want if I'm violent? So there are times when our thinking is wrong. That's why I want to read a verse to you. Philippians chapter Four, listen to what he says in verse eight. This is important because there's a, a, a punchline in this verse that makes a point I want you to get. And if you're going to be licensed to reposition your life, you need to get this. You ready? Philippians four, verse eight. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Think about these things. Think about these things. Your brain needs to be here, not there. 
Your brain's got to be in the right place. If we're not careful, one of the reasons that I believed I wasn't able to do certain things is because my brain couldn't get there. I wasn't licensed to think that. I wasn't licensed. I, this is my, <laughs> you'll love this one. I don't think churches license you to have money. I think they license you to give them money. I don't think they license you to have your time, your life. They want all of your time. They're bothered because we're closed. They can't physically gather in the numbers in the way we used to and this season. And so because of that, and if you're watching this and the season's over, it's during the COVID-19 season. And if you can't gather like you want, the first goal is to get everybody back in the building. You know, we know it's a risky thing, but you get have faith and come on back in the building. And, and then if you come in the building, they don't make the right precautions. They don't take the right. Oh, God help us. So so my point is, if you're not careful, it's it, it's it's the way we think. It, it, it's hard to reach us. And people have been saying it. Sometimes your family members are looking at you saying, you know, I, I think you're crazy. Uh, but it, they don't want to say it like that. But they think something wrong with you because, you know, they ask you a question. Well, I know God will work it out. I don't know the answer, but I know God will work it out. Hallelujah. I, okay, and I, I, I ask you, how are you going to pay your rent? Is God going to evict you tomorrow? Oh, you know, he's a miracle working God. Okay, okay. But you, you need to pack your bags because the, the sheriff is pulling up now outside. So you, 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 you're thinking, <laughs> your thinking is not where it needs to be. What's everything is true? I love that part. What's everything is true, Philippians says. Let's start with truth. And in this day and age, let me tell you, we're acting like truth is like marginal. It's optional. It's kind of like, oh, you know, it's kind of like uh, maybe, maybe not. I'm wearing black, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's blue. Maybe this is not really a red tie. Maybe it's really an orange tie. What do you think? You know, no, it's red, black. I'm sorry. OK, that's that's what I'm wearing. When you understand that, <laughs> because you can think right. You know, you've been there. You've dated somebody. I love you. That boy don't love you. That boy want to be intimate with you. Period. After that's over, with, he go to sleep or leave town or whatever. You know, he ain't thinking. He helping you with your bills. You get no. This, 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 this is not love, people. This is this is exercise in the bedroom. This is not love. When you think right and you get it in your head right. You make better choices, you make better decisions, and you're not led in the wrong directions. Sometimes we're just led in the wrong directions. Our minds are, are our minds, are, especially in this environment now, we're not able to say this is wrong thinking. There's no way the church should go so long that your kids are falling asleep in the back of the pew and, and, and they're late for school or tired the next day. Why are we doing that to people? What does that mean? Why, 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 why are we taking certain risks? Why? It's our thinking. And, and that's the part that you have to deal with if you want to license yourself. You got to take authority of how you think. Now, let me say that one more time. Until you change your thinking, you're never going to be licensed to get what you want in life. There are things that God can't do because you won't go there. So I want to show you how this works. I want to take you on a journey. I want to take you back in time a little bit to the book of Genesis. And I want to show you what I call the first four lies in Scripture and how these first four lies repositioned Adam and Eve to fail. And they were on the road to success. They were doing really well. And then all of a sudden, 
things changed. And this is one of those challenges we face. Um, God gave us a plan, a clear plan. But the enemy's goal is to reposition our minds to work against the plan. So you end up in a place that was never God's will for your life, ever. And it's all because of the way you think. So I want you to watch how, how this, this conversation with Adam and Eve, mainly with Eve and the serpent in Genesis. And if you're not a Bible person, um, in Genesis chapter 3, there's a story about the beginning of man and how man fell away from God. And it starts with a conversation. And the conversation is between Eve uh, and, and the serpent. And the serpent is um, obviously... Um, this is something we'll look up when we get to heaven in terms of how this all works. But the serpent talks to Eve and convinces her that eating this fruit uh, is okay. And let me just backtrack. For some of you may just say, I don't know what you're talking about. Let's start. Let me start. Let me start another way. In the Bible, in Genesis, the Lord describes how he empowers man, licenses man to make a decision about his future. He puts a tree in the middle of the garden, and this tree is designed to give man choice. Without the tree, there's no choice. He says, now you can do everything you want to do in this garden, but you cannot eat from that tree. If you eat from that tree, if you choose to, to go that way, you're saying you don't want to listen to what I say. You're saying you want to be your own God. You're saying you want to be your own Lord. Everything in the garden is yours. So the serpent basically tricks her into believing that not eating that fruit is going to rob you of your life. Not, not having this opportunity is, is robbing you of something. So she eats the fruit and gives it to Adam. He eats it. And so the whole thing starts running out of control. And what it, what's important about the tree, and we can do a whole sermon on that later, is you've got to have the right to choose. In order for you to really see people change, they have to have that. It's, your kids have to have that opportunity you have to have that opportunity to choose. And some of you are learning a lot about yourself when you're free. You know, you don't go to church anymore at all because you now have the right to, to not go. You don't give anymore because you have your own checking account money. You can give or not give. You, you, you don't um, do certain things. You drink more. You do drugs more. You, you, you're sleeping around more. And what you're learning is this is me. These choices I'm making say what I tend to lean towards, and I'll, I'm, I'm learning me, and I think that's an important place to be. But here's what I believe is true. There are some things you learn that are lies. Some things you believe that were true were lies. And in Genesis chapter 3, there's this conversation, and there are four lies. And I want to read the lies to you, okay? And then we'll come back and talk about them. The first lie is the lie that somehow there's no consequence. He lied about the consequence to, to Eve. You need this fruit, doesn't matter. Secondly, he lied about the potential to become godlike. That somehow if you do this, you're going to be godlike. God's trying to rob you from being like him. Thirdly, he lied about how it looks. He looked at, the, looked at the tree and it looked desirable. You know, I don't know what your it is. We'll talk about that too. And fourthly, he lied about how to gain wisdom. And those four lies dominated, took charge, and really almost destroyed them. He lied. So I want, I want to, before I read these verses quickly, 
What are the lies you believed? Some of you say, well, I believed, I don't know, that if I had a man, my problems would be solved. I believed if I got this job, I believed if I finished college and had a great degree, that that, that alone would fix my life forever. I believed, I don't know what you believed, but th- th- we all can identify with believing things that aren't true and how other people can come into our lives and through a lie, take away our license. The lie of the credit card. I mean, I, I, I get it. I've got, I've got all of them. But I'm telling you the lie I, I've, I've bit and it's bitten me back. The lie of debt. I've survived my madness, but I'm going to tell you something. That's a lie. That is not money, but that, that is something you don't want to be swiping all the time. If you can't, you can't swing it, you need to be careful about it. You need to, if you can't pay it today, watch it. It's a trap in your pocket. I call it the devil in your pocket. I mean, it's a benefit. I understand the benefit of record keeping. I get all that. I use all that stuff. But I'm telling you, it is something I, I, I approach with great fear and respect because I understand how it can trap a church, the buildings, too, too many buildings, too much, too much debt, um, mortgaging the future. But that's another sermon. But here's, here's what I want you to see. Four lies that they believe. Here we go. Chapter three, verse one. Now, the serpent was more kind of crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat up from from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat from the from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you'll die. And here's what he said. Here's the lie. You will not. You will not certainly die. Lie number two, verse five. Uh, He lied about the potential for God knows. Here's what God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Your potential is God like and he's trying to rob you of it. Third lie. Verse verse five. He lied about how it how it looks. Here's what he said. He said he said it looks good. Need to eat it. Need to go for it. For God knows that when you eat from it. When you eat from it, your eyes will be open. I don't know what your it is. Now, some of you, it's sex. It. If I do that, oh boy, life be wonderful forever. No, it won't. How you know? Because I know. Don't ask no more questions. The point I'm telling you is, it's, it's, your it can lie to you. I, I, I think it's great to have an it. Nice car, house, whatever your it is. But when you look at it, you, 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 lie, you, get, you get lied to because you think that's it when I get to it, whatever your it is. You got me? Good. Number four, he lied about how to gain wisdom. Verse six, when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eyes and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Wow. And so now the train goes down the track. It all starts with a lie. Results of this lie are pretty profound. Let me show what happened to them. Number one, they compromise. They compromise. Verse six, when the woman saw the fruit, the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, desirable to give wisdom. She ate it. You start compromising sometimes because you've been lied to. You think it's okay. I see this a lot and I don't want to go too far and make people uncomfortable, but I'm telling you, I see people make decisions, moral decisions 
and justify it because it looks good and it feels good. Bob said it was desirable. She saw something that looked good. Secondly, it, 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 the end outcome was amazing. This is, this is that, that cross the bridge thing, and it, this helps me a lot. Look at verse 7. After she ate the fruit, the eyes of them both were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Notice they changed their view of themselves. They lose confidence. When you make certain decisions, your view of you changes. I don't have to do anything. The enemy knows. Just let them do this. If you sleep with enough people, your view of you changes. If you, if you put yourself in certain legal positions and your standing in society changes and you now have a felony because of things you did, you know you did it. Okay, come on, uh, follow me. You know you did it. Some of you, not, some of you are guilty. Okay, at least one of you. So you know you did it. And, and your sense of when you apply for a job or when you have to explain to people where you've been for the last two, three years or whatever, there is this sense self-image thing that you fight. And it's because that's the consequence. That's, the lie didn't tell you that. The lie didn't tell you that. The lie said, shooting that guy is what I need to do. Some of you right now, you know, go get somebody. Check yourself. Is this, is, is, what, what are you doing? Your pride? Let it go. Pause. Time out. Think about what you're doing. There's something about, look at your kids. Look at your future. This is, this is you're going to live in a little box for what? This is not worth that. And sometimes if you're not careful, you don't, you, you believe there's a lie and end up losing you in the mirror. When I look at Ricky in the mirror, I want to like that guy. I want to like him. I don't want to go, oh, Ricky, I can't believe you messed up. And that's the goal. Here's the Bible said, next thing happened. They hid themselves. When you believe lies, you end up hiding things. Can't be transparent, can't be open. It was confidence, hide, hid themselves. The Bible said in verse, verse they, they hid, when they heard, verse 8, uh, the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden, but the Lord called to them, where are you, Adam? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? That's the question. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you right now? I'll tell you, during this season we're going through, I did not know where we were, but there was some, this has been the most revealing season of my Christian experience. I, I did not know as many people were naked as I thought they were. I didn't know that people would compromise the way they've compromised. I had no clue. But in this moment, after biting the fruit, the result was this incredible change. They lost their, their confidence. Now they're hiding themselves. Now they're, they're the they've, they, they've stepped into this whole new place. And then watch what happens. They, they, they became afraid. This is the first time this word is used in the Bible. Verse 10. He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. Why are you afraid? Then God said, have you eaten the fruit? He said, I was afraid. And, and, and he said, I, I was naked. And so I hid myself. And I love this. Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that's true about you? Who, who changed your image of yourself? Big, big point. The, the compromise changes your view of yourself. Now, I want you to watch how all this happened. Somebody comes into Adam and Eve's lives and, and changes their whole view of themselves. They no longer have a license to be transparent. They no longer feel confident. All that's gone because they allowed someone in their life. Who came into your life and did this to you? 
Some of you were fine until you dated so-and-so, until this relationship started. You had a different view of yourself. There's, there's something about living in clutter and living in junk and living in mess and, and being in strife all the time. It changes your view of you, riding around in a dirty car. All those things change. Dress up and, and you use some people that dress up, you feel better. You know, comb your hair, you know. <laughs> Brush your teeth. You know, something simple, you know. You feel good about you. They no longer felt that way. They no longer felt they had the authority they had, the freedom they had. Life totally changed all because, man, someone came and repositioned them. Who is repositioning you? Who is changing you into their image? Just think about it. So now they're hiding. Now they have no confidence. Now they're frustrated. And then lastly, they turn on each other. Look at verse 12. The man said, the woman you, you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. That's who did it. It's the woman you gave me. The woman, it's the woman, it's the woman, it's the woman. So you gave me. She blames the serpent. And it just gets to be this incredible moment. So now here they go. They're in this moment and things are bad and things are horrible. And I tell you, I can relate to this. Here's a question for you. Think about this. Have you given yourself permission to confront the lies you've been believing? Adam and Eve eventually did. Have you, have you confronted the things that you believe that are not true? Have you been repositioned and your authority to take charge of your life has been taken from you and you no longer believe in yourself. Is that where you are? You know, during a season like this, it's easy to fall into that trap. But there's a great verse I love, and I'm going to close with this verse. It might surprise you. Second Chronicles 7, 14. You know, we love this verse. If my people are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray. My people are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray. I'll hear from heaven. I'll heal their lands and so on. And I mean, it's a great verse. It's just really great. It's really great. There are times in your life when you, like Adam and Eve, have believed lies. And, and there, there are moments in your life when you realize it. I, I have taken advice and been repositioned in a negative way. Now I want to take authority of my life and reposition it and turn it back around. Well, here's how you do it. You repent. You acknowledge, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. you acknowledge that you've been wrong. And you say, you know what? I, I, can't, I can't do this. I'm not going to live this way. I'm not going to allow myself to think this way. I am not. Second Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. You say, okay, I was wrong. I believe lies. I, I was wrong. I, the way I behaved and reacted, I was wrong. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to seek your face. That's what you do. And so there's this wonderful statement made about how you fix it. The problem is, you ready? Here's the problem. <laughs> problem is, that takes something. That takes something. That, that demands something from you. Something that's sometimes very hard to face. So here's, I, I, I normally don't read this part of the verse, but I want to read 2 Chronicles 7, 19 for you. But if you turn away and forsake the decrees and the commands I've given you, and go off to serve other gods and worship them. Then I will uproot Israel from the land which I have given them and will reject the temple 
that I've consecrated for my namesake. I will make it a, a byword, an object of ridicule among all peoples. This temple will become a heap of rubble and all who pass by will be appalled and say, why has the Lord done such a thing to this land and to this temple? People will answer because they have forsaken the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who brought them out of Egypt and have embraced other gods, worshiping and serving them. That is why he brought all this disaster on them. Now, here's the, here's the bottom line of this. I believe there are times we believe lies. And I believe when we acknowledge that we believe a lie and we've allowed ourselves to compromise and we've allowed ourselves to go off, is when we say, I get it. It's when we can say, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. I get it. I'm, if, if my people that are called by your name would acknowledge, been believing lies, got in trouble, I get it, and turn from my ways, turn from what I was doing, and stop going after these other pursuits and, and get my priorities right and, and bring myself back to a place where I get it and I connect and get my thinking right and, and say, okay, whatever is true, I think about that, and I bring my mind back to where it's supposed to be. In that moment, some amazing things can happen. But if I don't change, then if we don't go back the other way, here's what happens. He says, it's going to be like I'm, the whole temple, the church is going to turn to rubble. He said, I'm going to uproot Israel out of his nation. And that's what happened to them. Because they wouldn't change, he basically scattered them throughout the world. And said, I want you to be clear about this. Obedience, there's a link to it. I believe in this season of, 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 of challenge that we're facing, there is something God is saying to us about paying attention and making sure that we are clear, looking at ourselves and being honest where we're weak and being honest about things we've not been truthful about, being honest about what we've done to people, being honest about how dishonest we can be. It's when we can look in the mirror and say, why in the world are we acting like we are politically right all the time? Why are we acting like we know God better than everybody else? Why are we condemning everybody that has a weakness? We're mocking sick people. We think they're, fit, they're okay, they're spiritually sick, but why are we mocking them? Why are we not embracing the world? Why are we not going into all the world? We're fighting to get back in a building. We're fighting to get back together in the same old way we did before. And he said, I told you to go. I said, go ye therefore into all the world. I told you to go. Get out of the go. You're not going anywhere. You want to sit around and, and get blessed and feel good and have conferences and, and have musical events. I'm not against any of that. That's all good stuff. But if that's all we do is party. If all we do is feed ourselves and sit around and say, boy, you know, God said, you know what? You know, you believe in a lie. You're allowing yourself to believe a lie that is not true. And if you're not careful, you believe this lie and you spread this lie. And it's, it's a religious lie. It's not true. Go into the world and make a difference. I'm more concerned about us now making a difference. A real difference, a measurable difference. There's more than just people coming to hear me talk. If hearing me talk doesn't motivate you to go, I should stop talking. Let me say it again. If, if hearing me talk doesn't motivate you to make a difference in the world beyond being a member of my church and giving money to help me build a building, then I need to close this place down because it's not worth it. There's no value in it. None. Long term, and you can see the dead churches, and I say this in love, they're, they're, they're empty. They got big buildings and no people, and they're struggling to make it every day. That's not God's will for us. I'm not, I'm not mocking a struggling church. I'm not mocking a small church. I'm saying we're more than numbers and statistics. We have a mission. Let me say that again. 
We have a mission, an assignment. If we're not careful, we've forgotten the mission. I read something the other day in a book called Future Church. I think the author's Mancini is his name. And what he said in this book was profound. He said, if you make worship the first thing you think about, what you end up with is a bunch of people who think about worship services. But if you think about the mission that you call to, you think about changing lives. Nothing wrong with worship services, but we're not called to a worship service. We're not called to, to, to entertain you. We're not the spiritual Las Vegas. Our job is to, to go out and make a difference. Our job is to get about the mission. Yeah, God's shaking our tree right now. He's shaking my tree for sure because I've got to focus differently now. I can't do it the way I've always done it. I don't have the comfort of coming into a building and just sitting there and talking to everybody. And, hey, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Now the question is, what are you doing? What are you doing with your money and your effort? And your, how, how hard are you willing to fight? I hope you hear me. I hope you hear me. We've been lied to again. And we're focused on something that we shouldn't be focused on. Eve lost her way. Got focused on the wrong thing. God called us to learn from her example. And to acknowledge our sin. To acknowledge our, our scatteredness. And focus our attention on helping people be better in the world. That's why we exist. That's our mission. That's our assignment. That's our goal. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to share with your people. I pray it's helped and inspired them. I pray that what we've talked about is given life and vitality and strength. I pray that the Holy Spirit would take the words we've shared and bring life. I pray for those who don't know you, Savior. May this be the moment they say, Jesus, come into my heart and life. Let this be the moment that my life is transformed forever. And may they say, Jesus, I need you, and I give you all the praise and all the glory for those who prayed this prayer. May this be the start of a new life for many, as they understand that they are the focus of God's heart. Not just gathering in a building, not just building numbers, but loving people who are hurting in the world around us. That's why we exist in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. I hope you were blessed by that. I hope you got the message. Sometimes you want to reposition your life, but you've been believing lies, lies that hurt you and lies that stop you from reaching your full potential. People love to quote that verse in Chronicles, right? My people that are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and I'll hear from heaven, heal their land and so on. I mean, it's a great verse. But if you don't change your approach, if you don't reposition yourself, if you're not willing to make the repentant changes you need, all this is just ex religious excitement. It's when you say, Father, I heard you and I'm willing to change. I'm willing, I'm willing to, to, to redirect my mind and life so that I can receive your best. If you're willing to do that, you can have an amazing future. So let me pray for you. Father, let this be a moment when they say, you know, God, I heard you today. I heard you today and I'm willing to reposition my life, surrender my life to you, to trust you, your way, your approach, not my way, not my approach, not my will. That great prayer you prayed, but thine will be done. Let that be our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. My name is Pastor Ricky Temple. I've enjoyed being with you on demand. I hope you were blessed. I'll see you next time. We have more to talk about. See you next time. Come on, man. This is the place to be on demand. The word at your fingertips. That's right, people. See you next time. Bye-bye. God bless.